Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Welcome to the Progressive Britain podcast. This is the extra show where we pick a topic from the week and chat about that. I'm Connor Pope and I'm here with Alison McGovern. Hey. Um, Alison, obviously the big topic this week is um, Waitrose Magazine. I thought, I thought we could look <laughs> no, at... No, <laughs> it is not Waitrose Magazine. I thought we could look at something a bit more niche. The, in Parliament this week, there was something called the Budget, where the government... <laughs> Honestly, set... you're killing me. The Budget is the Budget... <laughs> The budget is the most important week in Parliament because in the end, it decides what the government is doing with its resources available. And, you know, that is uh, there's other big choices, but this is the biggest choice you make as, as a political party, as an MP. I know you constantly refer to it as your Christmas. And, and last week, um, you both did uh, a look ahead episode of the Progressive Britain podcast about the budget, um, which was brilliant. That came out last Friday. Yeah, for, those, for those who've not heard me bang on about this before, <laughs> it's like Christmas because you get all the new information and you get to kind of digest it and you get to anticipate it. And so my budget, 10 things to watch out for, that is if you like the budget advent calendar. I, and so like most, like a lot of people, I think, you know, I know that the budget is very important, but I am also aware that no matter how many jokes Philip Hammond tells, it is also quite dull. And, you know, I've, I've done the thing when I, when I used to work as a kind of lobby journalist, of going to get the budget and looking through and looking for the story. And it is so dull. It is so boring. But you, you, so, did a, you did a 10 things to look ahead, to, yeah. to watch out for. So, that made so, it easier. So that's right. And people can have a look at that. I, so I stand by it. Um, I think that my number one issue was universal credit. And I think there's some important things to be said there. Philip Hammond did put a bit more money into universal credit, but what people need to realize is that um, 30% of families get universal credit. The old tax credit system will become universal credit. So this is a big deal for families up and down the country. Um, the George Osborne tried to take a lot of money out of the system. So it was creating a very small number of winners out of their changes, um, mainly single earner families. So families where just one person works, but had created a huge number of losers, particularly lone parents, um, with kids and people with disabilities. Philip Hammond has put a bit more money back in the system, but that central problem where there are some winners, but a heck of a lot of losers is basically still there. So, 
um, before the budget, um, Esther McVeigh, we're reading the newspaper that Esther McVeigh had told the cabinet that quite a lot of families would be losing uh, £200 a month or so. And if you look at the detail of the budget, what it says is that the impact of this budget is to reduce um, reduce that loss by about uh, 50 quid a month. So essentially what happened was the Tories were saying like, oh goodness, like lots of families are going to lose about 200 quid a month. And now what we're saying is they're going to lose about 150 quid a month. And I'm afraid I remain no less horrified by that. What I'm even more horrified by is um, by the other kind of substantial thing that Philip Hammond did in the budget, which was quite a big tax break. So they increased the personal allowance. So there's a, there's a level of earnings that we all have um, that we can bring in before we have to pay any tax. Yeah. And um, the Tories, actually assisted a lot by the Lib Dems, have always wanted to raise that level because they say, you know, it's progressive to take people out of tax. Um, and actually, you know, there's there's an element, there's a small amount of truth to that. Um, but what they what this budget actually did wasn't really spend just spend a bit of money taking people out of tax. It spent a lot of money um, rewarding higher earners and basically raising the threshold at which you start to pay higher rate tax. So um, once you earn um, a certain amount of money, um, you pay you know forty percent on that. Uh, on the end, on the top bit of your income. Mm. So people like members of parliament, for example, uh, are subject, some of their income is subject to 40% tax. And the Tories have argued that essentially um, that that level at which people pay higher rate tax is too low. Now, that's just not an argument I, I agree with, really. I think that um, people do need, you know, at the, at the top end of the income distribution, to put into the budget and it's not appropriate at this point um, when we've got people really really struggling and also our public services frankly on their knees it's not appropriate to spend 2.8 billion pounds next year on giving a tax cut to people at the top end and bear in mind that nearly 90 percent of that 2.8 billion will go to the top half of the income distribution and 35% of that 2.8 billion goes to the top 10%. So this is a pretty horrific tax cut. Um, And forgive me rambling on about this, Connor, but what's really going on here is the same as what's happening in America with Trump's tax cuts, where the Republicans are taking, you know, quite a big tax bong for the very wealthy and inserting a little bit of help for people who could be perceived to be middle class. And then you know, people on the left are having a panic because they're saying, how can we vote against help for people in the middle? Mm. But they're just falling into this trap of, see, of of not standing against what is a lot of help for people in the top 10%. And so obviously this this has been a bit of a brouhaha, I think is the uh, the kind of journalist That's a technical term, term. Yeah, <laughs> this week. And um, within the Labour Party about, um, you know, McDonald, see, uh, John McDonald seemed to suggest that actually Labour wouldn't oppose this because of that 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 element of it helping people in the yeah, middle. Yeah, they don't while, they say so, other people are. so they say they don't want to be seen to be opposing um a bit of help for people in the middle. Well, I have I have two problems with that. Firstly, it's really not very much help at all. It's like 2 pounds a week, right? So let's not get overexcited about something that 
people in the middle of the income distribution really won't feel that much. And the other part of it is for those people who um, who pay a bit of tax, but also receive universal credit, people with kids, um, especially, you know, there'll be a clawback effect anyway. So they won't be net gainers. Um, and I just think, you know, I kind of thought that the Corbyn project really was about courage. You know, it was about the ability to call things as they are. And that's what I think we should be doing here. We should be opposing this tax cut because we should have the courage to say to people, if there ever was a time for tax cuts for the top 10%, this is not it. Um, so I think that will be, um, you know, there may be a little bit of parliamentary controversy, but I think most people, you know, see this for what it is, which is, you know, Tory bungs for the fairly wealthy. Has Labour's um, position on it been kind of set yet? Because it, seem, it seems a bit unclear. Different people seem to be suggesting different things. I don't know if you as a MP have got your like whips lining and it tells you well, exactly the Labour, what... So what we've done is the front bench have tabled a very good resolution mm. uh, amendment. So basically the... The budget measures are put through um, uh, just you know shortly after the budget. They're called the budget resolutions, um, and and the Labour front bench have put through a, an excellent amendment, which I and uh, pretty much everybody else, you know, I'm sure will will support. The question is whether we should pick a fight over these um, income tax proposals. And you know, I, I, you hear this argument about you know we shouldn't we shouldn't be seen to be standing in the way of a of a tax break for people in the middle. I just in the end, I don't think that argument holds water. So we'll see what happens later in the vote. Um, the the other thing that's really important and worth saying is that Philip Hammond did have some money to play with in the budget, and one of my other um, one of my other ten things to look out for um, was uh, the health service. So um, the Tories always have this bit of a dilemma that they're not really trusted on the health service. Um, they either starve it with money or try and reform it out of, you know, all uh, identifiable shape. And Philip Hammond basically, I think, has acknowledged that problem. So when it comes to um, the uh, the economic forecasts, what happened was that the OBR basically had under forecast tax receipts and um, uh, they'd, they'd been too slightly too conservative on what was going on. Uh, with the deficit. Um, and so eff effectively, Hammond got a bit of a windfall. And so what he did was he took that kind of spare cash in the budget and put it all in the direction of the health service, essentially res responding to this point that I was making about the lack of trust. Now, I think that's probably a good thing. Um, our health service definitely needs money. But what about all the other departments? There was nothing for social care. So we might have more funding for you know, doctors and nurses in hospitals, but there's nothing for social care. So we, we still won't be able to get our older people out of hospital and back home with a care package to support them. So it's pretty limited, really. Now, I know you touched on this a little bit last week, but I, I also did want to chat to you about what I saw as being the kind of big political mistake that they made in the run-up to this uh, budget, which was essentially declaring that austerity is over. Um, and my kind of feeling on it is basically that they have a very different <laughs> definition of what austerity is to the rest of us. Because in essence, they, they kind of cut, they've cut the state to such a level and then go, you know, if we stop cutting quite as drastically at this point, then 
you know, that is austerity being over. It's not quite the same project as it I was think, before. I but... think the technical term for this, Connor, is bollocks. Isn't it? <laughs> so part of the problem is the cuts you can't really see mm. because take the benefits freeze, for example. So working age benefits have been, were limited um, because the, the uprating was basically switched from one measure of inflation to another. So they were, they were limited um, under George Osborne. And then to make matters worse in 2015, he announced a benefits freeze. So basically the value of that um, support for people's incomes kept the same in cash terms. So as prices rise, you know, your your um, the help you get from the government doesn't rise in line with it. So that's a massive chunk out of people's purchasing power. You know, when they when they go to the shops, what they're able to to buy with the money that they have is less every year. That's really hard to see. I mean, you know, that if effectively that's not accounted for in one big chunky cut that you can point to in the budget, but it's there. And it's affecting our society all the time. Um, I think the the massive tactical mistake Hammond made was that comment about the education spending, you know, that he was throwing a little bit of cash at schools for the little extras, the whiteboards. And Paula Sheriff in the house, who's Paula Sheriff MP, who's, who's, you know, really good at, I think, using the House of Commons to make her point. She quite rightly said, what is the use of a new magical electronic whiteboard if you don't have a teacher to operate it <laughs> which yeah. is the problem that we have right and we've got teacher cuts left right and center the little extras thing really showed they're quite disconnected from the realities of what people think of as austerity absolutely um i just think it seemed it seemed very much like if you want to actually end austerity then kind of basically you have to reverse quite a lot of what has happened over the past eight years because the, you know people aren't just going to accept this as the new normal and not being an austerity country yes and no yes because we shouldn't act just accept that poverty is going to rise and inequality is going to rise but also we have to look at the world as it is now not Mm. the world as it was in 2010 and the financial crash changed everything in this country so the labor market is fundamentally different so many more um part-time jobs so many more self-employed people actually one of the big losers through the universal credit system is the self-employed And that problem of how you support self-employed people was not an issue that we engaged with, you know, in 2010. And it certainly wasn't an issue that we were worrying about, you know, in past history when Labour were last in power. So, of course, we have to tackle the inequality that is being created. But it's very important that when we think about what the Labour government might do economically in the future, we must engage with the economy as it is now, not as it was, you know, decades ago on that note we should probably wrap up because i know that you want to rush off and speak in the budget debate i am literally uh, going uh, to dash from here to the chamber about such exciting topics as under forecast tax receipts um, <laughs> um but uh alison thank you for coming on and explaining a bit about what has happened in the budget this week uh progressive britain podcast will be back on tuesday you can subscribe on itunes acast and now spotify as well spotify uh, yeah. With that cool. I, I know. It's get put, get us, Put it in a get playlist us. and share it with your friends. I don't know. Um, <laughs> but we'll be back on Tuesday. Thanks very much for listening. You've been listening to the Progressive Britain podcast. The music is When in the West by Blue Dot Sessions, licensed under Creative Commons. And this episode was produced by Carolyn Crampton.